Well, I was thinking about this uh, the past week, and I've never told you, at least from up front here, how I got called into the ministry. Now, for those of you who are uninitiated, that's supposed to be a really important story. It's supposed to uh, talk, it's supposed to include like mountaintops and thunder and lightning and maybe angels and burning bushes and all sorts of things. It's supposed to include that. But the reality is that if I had a call to ministry, it was while I was watching TV. And it wasn't really while I was watching anything great on TV. It was some Saturday afternoon, I think, after football was over. And um, there was some low-budget TV show that told a story about lottery winners. And it would take this big check that required two hands from these, uh, well, let's just say they were wearing bell-bottoms and had long hair. They were, you know, they were California dudes, right? And it was a long time ago. And they went around to people's houses, and they took these big lottery checks, and then they told the story about how this money then affected the people who received it. And so it ruined some of them, improved some of their lives, some of them completely unraveled. And it really wasn't very good TV. It only lasted maybe six weeks or something. But that's what I was watching. And... At the time, I was on a wait list to go to uh, medical school. And so I was sitting there waiting for, you know, the, the tape to turn and uh, to get into medical school. And the person that I was watching this with uh, turned to me and said, well, what would you do if you won a million dollars? And immediately and without thinking, I said, oh, I'd go to seminary. And the next thing I did was, oh, what did I just say? And then the next thing that happened was I realized, despite the story I'm telling myself, I'm going into medicine just for the money. And that's not a very good reason to go um, that direction with my life. And so, 18 months after that, I was, uh, uh, had moved out to Portland, was sitting here in seminary. So, that's... That's what I say is my call, if you want to say that. Well, why do I tell you this this morning? Not because you need to know that, really. But because that's as close to winning the lottery as I'll ever come. And in fact, I think that's probably the only time that I ever even thought about winning the lottery. And the reality is that just thinking about winning the lottery changed my life. How much more then would winning the lottery change your life? Well, I wanted to start that way this morning because we have some stories that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 13 that I want to invite you to look at. So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 13. And there you'll find some stories about some people who won the lottery. Now, you'll probably notice that that's not exactly the language that uh, Jesus uses, but hopefully you can allow me to fudge just a little bit on that. 
So Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers and threw the bad away. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. So here we have four little stories that Jesus told that alert us to the fact that the kingdom of heaven requires a response. That the kingdom of heaven prompts joyful but sober action. It tells us that whoever gets the kingdom of heaven gets absolutely the greatest value ever, and whoever doesn't get it loses everything. So let's look at these four stories. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the first story that Jesus tells us is the story of luck. It's a story of a man who just is about his daily work. He's out there maybe with his hoe. He's hoeing and clink, he hits something. Clink, clink. Starts to dig around and realizes what it is. Then really realizes what it is. Then covers it all up again and goes out to buy that field because he had no right to the treasure that belonged in someone else's field. So he went out and bought the field, and then the treasure was his. And you'll notice that he hit it again, and then what does it say? It says, then in his joy, in his joy, he went out and sold all that he had to buy the field. There's something about finding that treasure in the field that made his heart happy. There's something about running into this coincidence, this uh, lucky happenstance that made him happy. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that. That really if you get the kingdom of heaven, you too would have joy. 
And so why might the kingdom of heaven make someone's heart happy? That's, that's the thing I think is worth stopping to consider. Because really, I think it's so easy for us to get in some routine where we go to church, we talk about Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And the reality is, it's meant to bring great joy. So why would the kingdom of heaven make your heart happy? Well, I think one of the reasons, I'm just going to start here, is grace. This is a kingdom that is characterized by grace, which means that what you get in this kingdom isn't what you deserve. What you get out of this kingdom is not what you earn. That you are given freely all, all the riches of the kingdom, and they are yours, and you did absolutely nothing to deserve it. Or if I put it in terms that you might be more familiar with, your salvation, your forgiveness of sins, your hope for eternal life, all of that comes to you apart from your deserving. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you do that, make God's, that makes God say, oh, I owe that to Him. God gives freely of His grace. That's one characteristic of the kingdom that would make me kind of happy that I stumbled upon it. Another characteristic of the kingdom that you might uh, want to think about has to do with love. It is a kingdom that is uh, just filled with love. The king himself said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's what the king did for you, so that you could be his friend. So that everything you do, you can be absolutely certain that the king loves you. We're told later in the New Testament that, that there is nothing, neither height nor depth nor principality nor power, nor things present nor things to come, nor anything else will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, the king. That's yours. He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you do, can do to earn it. It's a kingdom marked by peace. He is the prince of peace. That's one of our favorite Christmas verses, right? That he is the prince of peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not like the world gives do I give to you, but he gives us peace. This is not a kingdom at war, this is a kingdom at peace. So the shalom and the, the life that you are meant to live is really manifest in this kingdom. This kingdom is a kingdom of human flourishing. People are fully alive in this kingdom. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. He characterizes this life as upside down from a normal life where instead of being proud, you're poor in spirit. For where instead of being forceful, you're meek. Instead of always having your game on, you mourn. 
And this king says that the way to be really human, the way to be really happy is upside down from what you would expect. And so the kingdom is a kingdom that redefines what it means to be fully alive. This kingdom is a kingdom where you're not by yourself any longer. You are invited into a community of other people. Other people who are also seeking first the kingdom of heaven. You're invited into a community of other people who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. A community of other people who are peacemakers. Who are poor in spirit. People that would be really nice to be around. So this community has lots besides that, but those are just a few to say, if I stumble on a group of people who really got that and lived that way and really believed they were loved, believed that they received this all for, by grace, lived at peace with the world and not anxious, what kind of a thing would that be? That would be the happiest kingdom ever. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Now notice what they had to do to get it, right? Wasn't just a little thing. Covered it up. In their joy, he went. Sold everything. He got rid of everything that he might gain the kingdom. So you could easily say, well, he really sacrificed he really sacrificed so that he could, you know, join Jesus. You do realize, though, don't you? You look very carefully at the text, that he didn't sacrifice. That, in fact, what he did was he got happier, not sadder. He got more, not less. He got treasure, not just another day's work. It was a matter of joy for him, not sacrifice. So if you find the treasure, rest assured it's worth trading everything to gain. Then Jesus tells another one that's similar. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So this person was not lucky like the other person. The other person just like clink found the treasure. This person instead was looking. He was a seeker. He was on the hunt for something that would be worth investing his life in. This person already had lots of little pearls, lots of little baubles and trinkets, lots of things that he could turn around and sell. And he could do it over and over and over and over until he found this one pearl of greatest value. And he recognized immediately this treasure, this pearl of great value was worth more than all of the little pearls that he had accumulated. And he was looking for something like that. He was looking for something that would satisfy and he hadn't found it. He'd, he'd found some ma- ways to make some money, but he had not found something that would satisfy. And as soon as he did, he went out and sold everything so that he could get that one pearl.
pearl. So why was he seeking? He was seeking because he recognized those smaller pearls really didn't satisfy. I mean, how many of us really are looking at our tiny little pearls saying, oh, I have a pearl. We're so excited about what we have and we realize a couple days later, it really doesn't satisfy. I really need another little pearl. I need another one. I need another one. And we really never get satisfied with these little things we accumulate in life. And it could be anything, right? It could be, it could be a, a new car. It could be a new job. It could be a new house. It could be um, your family. It could be anything that you're looking to to satisfy your heart that isn't this pearl of great value. And so you too are on a search. Maybe that's how you ended up here this morning. You're on a search for something that could satisfy your heart. The reality is here that both the treasure and the pearl point out to us the overwhelming value of the kingdom of heaven. That there is nothing on this earth that is worth holding on to at the cost of losing the kingdom. If Jesus says to you, I want you to give that up, and you say, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it'll be worth it. Jesus' story here tells us it's worth it. It's worth it every time. It'll be worth it for all of eternity. Kingdom has overwhelming value. And anybody willing to make the exchange will gain the value. Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that is the story of the treasure and the pearl. It's interesting, both of, in both stories, the person had to give up everything that they had. They, they went and sold everything. And the reality is, everything is the great equalizer. You could, have, you could have all the money you will ever need. Everything leaves you with just as much as a person who's living day to day. They give up everything they give up the same amount. Jesus' call is for you to give up everything that you might lay hold on the kingdom. To go back to my gambling metaphors, this is to be all in on the kingdom of heaven. It is to take all of your chips and push them across the table and be all in. doesn't matter how many chips you have, they go all in. And it means you don't have another play besides this one. If this one doesn't work out, you don't have anything else. That's what Jesus says the kingdom is worth. It's worth your final play. So please forgive the lottery and gambling references today. 
uh, it in no way implies an endorsement. But I do think it does illustrate for us what the issue is. Are you willing to go all in on Jesus? I mean, think about that. At Christmas time, we, we think about the shepherds who were out tending their flocks by night, right? And what happened? Angel came announcing, I have good news of great joy, which will be to all people. There's a king who's born this day in the city of David. What are you going to do? Clink, you run into the treasure. You're a shepherd. An angel comes to tell you there's a treasure just down the street. What are you going to do? Or there's another group of people, wasn't there? The wise men. They had made a study of Israelite history. They had made a study of God's promises to His people. They were looking for a new king. They saw a star in the east and said, that must be it, let's go. And they were seeking the pearl of great price. What did they ask for when they came to Jerusalem? Where's the king of the Jews? Where is the king? I'm willing to trade everything to find him. So both the person who found the treasure and the merchant, they did something once they found the treasure. The shepherds and the wise men responded by saying, you know what, let us have this king. You have to do something about your discovery. And I want you to realize that. I want you to realize it's not just some passive thing where you sit there in church, you go home, and in a few minutes you think, hmm, that was a good talk. I don't really care if it's a good talk. I don't even want it to be a good talk. I want you instead to have the kingdom of heaven because that's worth trading everything to get. Won't you find this treasure? Won't you go all in on Jesus? That's really what I hope for. Now, I have, I have a little bit of an unusual application of this idea for you this morning. We have a unique opportunity today because Paul and Diana Mayhew are here with us in the service, and they're gonna, uh, we're going to uh, honor them and hear from them in a luncheon that's going to happen in a few minutes. But I want to ask you, Paul and Diane, if you would come up. I have something for you. Because uh, you went all in. You went all in on Jesus a few years ago. We have here a, a plaque that says, Missionaries Emeritus, which means missionaries with honor. And so it's our privilege to honor you this morning and to thank you for trading everything for the treasure. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. And, yes, thank you. I do want to tell you, I do want to tell you more about this, what this stands for and what this means at the luncheon a little bit later. But anyway, I just wanted to say thank you guys, and we just love you and uh, really happy to honor you this morning. Thank you. Mm. Thanks. I do feel like I need to say, you don't need to go to the other side of the world to go all in with Jesus. Really, if you go all in on Jesus tomorrow where you are, that's all you need. 
Go all in on Jesus this afternoon. Don't wait. That's the call that the treasure and the pearl hold before you. Well, those are two that tell us of the great value of the kingdom. There's another There's another parable that tells us not of the great value, but of the great loss of missing the kingdom. Look at the parable of the net. Verse 47, kingdom of heaven like a net thrown into the sea. They gathered fish of every kind. They drew it ashore, sat down, and they put the good in containers and the bad they threw into the fire. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them in the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If the treasure and the pearl tell us that there is great value in gaining the kingdom, this net parable tells us that there is horrific loss when you miss the kingdom. I think it's really clear that that's what he's after. I mean, this, this is sort of repeating for us what we saw up above in the parable of the weeds and the wheat when the farmer left the weeds in the middle of the wheat until harvest time, then really verse 42 is the same as verse 50. The point of them is the same. At the end of the age, there will be a separation. One to everlasting happiness, the other to everlasting judgment. And so... If you are not motivated by your own eternal happiness, may you be motivated to avoid eternal loss. I think it's important to notice that the emphasis changes a little bit here as well. If you find a treasure, by all means today, trade everything to get it. If you are seeking a a pearl of great price and you find one in the kingdom of heaven, Today is the day to let go of everything else and lay hold on that treasure. The net, however, points us not to today, but to another day. To the close of the age, it says. So that there is great value now and great value later in getting the kingdom right. There is great short-term value, enough to make your heart happy in trading for the kingdom now, but there is great long-term value in trading for the kingdom that you will have forever. In the same way, there will be eternal loss if you miss it. And so these two parables tell us of the great value of the kingdom. This one, the dragnet, tells us about the great loss for those who miss the kingdom. And so, again, I want to appeal to you and ask you, don't let yourself miss the kingdom of heaven. If you, if you wonder, if you're here this morning and you, you were searching for something like this merchant and you're saying, what is it that's going to satisfy my heart? I mean, I promise you there are people here who would love to talk to you about how you can get the kingdom of heaven for your own. Well, if you look back at all of chapter 13, there's a whole long list of stories that Jesus tells. What kind of soil will you be when you receive the word of the kingdom? 
Why does the master let the weeds hang around till the end of the age with the wheat? How is the success of the kingdom inevitable like mustard seed or leaven? How can there be that much joy in finding a treasure or a pearl? How can we be certain that justice will be done at the end of the age? All of these things. You get them, if you get them, you really get what Jesus is talking about, about the kingdom. They give you kind of a full picture of what God wants to do in the world and in eternity. And so what will you do with that? What are you going to do with the stuff, the ideas of the kingdom? There's a final story, one more, that tells us what to do. Look at verses 51 and 52. And this is really for those who, who understand what it is Jesus is saying. In fact, that's, he just checks to make sure. Do you understand all these things? Verse 51. They said to him, yes. Now, I don't know if you've read through the New Testament, but if you have, you recognize these guys probably didn't get it quite as well as they thought they get it. And they're, they're, it's almost humorous, the fact that they would say, yes, we get it, without any kind of hesitation. But they get it, they say. So Jesus tells them another story. So when you get the kingdom, this is what you do with it. He said, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And so this is a summary parable. If you understand the kingdom of heaven, if you get what Jesus is laying down in these last few parables, you then are a trained kingdom scribe. He's telling the disciples, you are a trained kingdom scribe because you get this. You said yes, okay, then you are this trained kingdom scribe. Okay, then what? What does this trained kingdom scribe do? They are like a host who brings out his treasure. He receives the guests, and then he, he doesn't hold back. He is generous with his guests. He brings out treasure new and old. What kind of treasure? Well, kingdom treasure. He's going to bring out treasure new and old. Now, that's this generosity, this um, hospitality marks those who really understand the kingdom. Those who really understand the kingdom are not slow in bringing out their treasure. Let me tell you about the treasure. It's worth trading everything for. And they're willing to talk about the kingdom of heaven. But I, I don't know that that's really how most of us are. We don't view ourselves that way. I mean, most of us will avoid bringing any treasure out at all, right? Like, uh, I don't really mean anything by this. Uh, well, if you insist, okay, I guess I am a Christian. And somebody might talk us into talking about it. Or we might apologize, say, well, I don't really want to bother you. Do you know what? If you don't want to bother them, you don't really get it. This is a, this is a treasure. This is a pearl of great price. And it's your privilege to bring that out and share that. 
with people who come your way. And he says, this treasure is treasure you bring out, new and old. Two kinds of treasure, new and old. And so, that's what kingdom people do. They're quick to talk about their treasure. They're quick to share it with the people who come their way. And I mentioned there are reasons that you should be excited about finding this kingdom. Reasons you should be excited about sharing it. But really, I left out the best reason of all. So I apologize for leaving out the best reason of all. The best reason that you should be excited about finding the kingdom is that when you find the kingdom, you find the king. You get Jesus. That's the good news. You get Jesus to be your savior so that your sins no longer alienate you from God. Instead, God welcomes you because Jesus stood in for you, taking God's wrath against your sins. You get Jesus to be your king. He is the one that will fight your battles. He is the one that will represent you before your enemies. He is the one that will provide for you. You get Jesus to be your teacher. All of his wisdom is yours. He holds nothing back. Everything that you hope for, forgiveness, acceptance, love, peace, all of that you find when you find Jesus. So trade everything to get him. And you avoid eternal judgment. You might say you have won the lottery of all lotteries, the lottery to end all lotteries, really, when you find Jesus. And so, if you answer yes to Jesus, if you answer yes when he says, do you understand these things? You say yes. And you are a person who has treasure, new and old, to bring out and show people. So, let me just show you what I think it means to bring out new and old treasure here. Um, I think he has in mind a new treasure that you get from Jesus, old treasure you get from the Scriptures, perhaps. 